This is The Guardian. Today, hours before Donald Trump appears in court, what to know about yet another unprecedented day in America. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Barricades are up outside Trump Tower in New York. Police in Lower Manhattan are bracing themselves for protests. Later today, we're going to witness a first in American history. A former president and a future presidential candidate surrendering himself to a court, being fingerprinted, getting his mugshot, and then called in front of a judge and read the criminal charges that he faces. Donald Trump is expected to plead not guilty to charges which are, for the next few hours, still a secret. But of all the things Trump has been accused of and denies doing, inciting an insurrection, trying to steal an election, hiding classified documents at his Florida residence at Mar-a-Lago, this case is probably the most ridiculous. The case of the hush money paid to a porn star in the middle of a presidential campaign. But it's the one that's put Trump in the dock and might set the tone for a presidential election that's only 18 months away. This is the final battle. They know it. I know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. This is it. Either they win or we win. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, is the law finally catching up with Donald Trump? Hugo Lau, you cover politics for Guardian US. Where does this story begin? So it goes all the way back to 2006, uh, when Trump first meets Stormy Daniels at this golf tournament, and he effectively invites her to come back to his room. There is a dispute over whether he had an affair with her. You know, at the time, Melania was just taking care of the newly born Baron Trump. And that encounter is effectively the start of this years-long saga that no one, I think, quite appreciated the significance of that at the time, but has turned into this behemoth that Trump is now trying to grapple with. Okay, back then, Stormy Daniels is an adult film star. Trump is merely the host of The Apprentice, The Good Old Days. And this affair is a secret, a gross one that nobody cares about very much. But when does that change? When does it start to become a problem for Donald Trump? It starts to become a problem for Trump in the closing stages of the 2016 campaign. You know, this story had died for a long time. Trump and certainly his then lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, thought, it was all over and they wouldn't have to deal with Stormy Daniels again. 
But then what happened was Stormy Daniels wanted to make some money off the story. Mm -hmm. Trump basically decides that this is a story that can become problematic for the campaign. And he's already been damaged by the Access Hollywood tape. Breaking news tonight. Comments from Donald Trump that are even drawing fire from the head of the Republican Party. An open microphone caught Trump making vulgar comments about women in 2005 and a recording obtained by the Washington Post. If a story like this was to break, Trump and Michael Cohen feared that this would derail the campaign and hand Clinton victory in 2016. So they needed to suppress this. And so he basically arranges for his lawyer to pay off Stormy Daniels. Yeah, Cohen pays her $130,000 for her traumas. How does he do that? Does he give it to her in like a paper bag? How do you pay off a porn star in the middle of a presidential campaign? The way the reimbursement was arranged was kind of complex. You know, Trump basically had his organization, the Trump organization, take care of the payments. And so what he did was he told Michael Cohen to pay the 130000 to Stormy Daniels, and he would reimburse him, you know, in $35,000 checks. That was designed not only to cover the principal payment that Cohen made to Daniels, but also the added tax that Cohen would have to pay. The trouble was Cohen didn't have the $130,000 in cash up front. And so what later emerged was Alan Garten, the chief legal officer at the Trump Organization, instructed or coached Michael Cohen to take out a home equity loan and use the proceeds of that to pay Stormy Daniels. All right, so this is all pretty grubby, pretty scandalous, and for any other politician, potentially career-ending. But Hugo, how is it a crime? In suppressing the story, the allegation is he basically benefited the campaign. And because it benefited the campaign, but they weren't recorded or disclosed, that became a campaign finance violation. FEC rules in the US, the Federal Election Commission rules, basically prohibit in-kind contributions or contributions above a certain limit. And they have to be disclosed. Okay, so these payments, they work. The Stormy Daniels story is temporarily killed, but obviously that isn't where the story ends. What happens next to Michael Cohen? So you fast forward through the first part of the presidency. As Cohen is making the payments to Stormy Daniels, he starts to grow disillusioned with Trump. Uh, He wanted a job in the White House counsel's office. He did not get it. He was still on the outside. And his law office gets searched by the FBI. The FBI has raided the office of Donald Trump's longtime lawyer, Michael Cohen, seizing records related to several topics, including payments to porn star Stormy Daniels. Federal prosecutors in Manhattan obtained a search warrant after receiving a referral from the special counsel, Robert S. Mueller. He reaches out to a mutual acquaintance between him and Trump, this lawyer called Robert Costello. And he basically asked Costello to ask Trump if there was any way that Trump could support him, whether he could get a pardon. And Trump effectively rebuffs that request. And in doing so, Trump manages to alienate Cohen, who decides he's going to tell the full story of what happened. And it all comes to a head in 2018, when Michael Cohen ends up testifying before 
House Democrats on Capitol Hill. Michael Cohen, who once said he'd take a bullet for Donald Trump, arriving on Capitol Hill today to unload on the president. He spent hours behind closed doors with the Senate Intelligence Committee, describing, according to sources, the president's, quote, lying, racism and cheating. And for the first time, he will accuse the president of criminal conduct while in office and provide what he says is evidence. So he talks about how he protected Trump for 10 years and... He was doing all sorts of things that he felt badly about and he felt Trump needed to be held accountable for. I am ashamed that I chose to take part in concealing Mr. Trump's illicit acts rather than listening to my own conscience. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat. And he basically provides receipts, including the checks that Trump signed to repay him for the hush money. And this becomes a real point of interest to federal investigators. He asked me to pay off an adult film star with whom he had an affair and to lie about it to his wife, which I did. And I am going to jail in part because of my decision to help Mr. Trump hide that payment from the American people before they voted a few days later. So for Cohen, this ends up being a pretty costly set of disclosures. What happens to him? Cohen pleads guilty to a multi-count indictment in New York that is connected to false statements to Congress. But because he takes a plea deal the number of charges he has to plead guilty to is reduced. Nonetheless, he ends up going to prison and he becomes the only person to serve any jail time in the entire hush money case in the federal criminal investigation. And so this all happened way back in 2018. Michael Cohen is charged with federal offences and he goes to prison. How did Donald Trump manage to escape any kinds of repercussions for this So the Justice Department had and continues to have uh, an internal rule effectively that says they will not indict sitting presidents because it would be detrimental to running the country. Hmm. And effectively, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan shuttered the federal case. And so at the federal level, the Biden administration decides they're not going to pursue this. But that isn't the end of the case, because something else is happening at the state level. Hugo, tell me about it. So while the feds drop the case, in New York, there is a new district attorney that comes to office. It's this guy, Alvin Bragg, a black New Yorker who really wanted to run on uh, racial justice reform and didn't really get into this issue of whether to indict Trump or not until the, the end of his election. I've done a number of kind of high-profile cases involving people in or near the seat of power. If they take you to a business person, if they take you to a former president, you follow the facts. Alvin Bragg effectively decides to take a new look at the case and towards the end of last year brings a bunch of witnesses from the hush money case before a grand jury. And you see this cast of characters being hauled before the grand jury, anywhere from Michael Cohen to David Pecker to even Stormy Daniels herself. And Hugo, clearly this case is on Donald Trump's radar. He knows the risks it poses to him. As it's building, what's he thinking about it? 
You see, for the longest time, Trump saw this activity in New York and thought that it was it was all a nothing burger. He did not expect charges to come out of this at all. And then at the start of March, Trump basically is asked by the district attorney if he wants to come and testify. And that's a real big red flag for his lawyers because under New York state law, targets of a criminal investigation are offered the chance to testify at the very end of an investigation on their own uh, volition. So that means whatever case is being built may be reaching a kind of climax. Right. And this this freaks Trump and his lawyers out because they had not seen this coming. They thought the Stormy Daniels case had long been shelved. And this sparks a frenzy because Michael Cohen, you know, one of the key players in this whole saga, goes and testifies two more times and is seen as one of the final major witnesses to testify. This is not revenge, right? What this is is about accountability. I don't want to see anyone, including Donald Trump, indicted, prosecuted, convicted, incarcerated, simply because I fundamentally disagree with them. This is all about accountability. Trump's lawyers informed the the DA's office that Trump will not himself testify before the grand jury, but Trump becomes more and more paranoid that he is going to get indicted. And then last Friday, that indictment does happen. Hugo, take us through the case that we think Elvin Bragg has built against Donald Trump. As we're recording this now, the indictment is still sealed, but we expect to find out later today what it contains. What do you think is the most likely crime or crimes that Trump is going to be charged with? It's a really tricky question. You know, we have been thinking for weeks that the underlying charge, the base charge, is going to be falsifying business records. Because the $130,000 to Stormy Daniels paid through Cohen was recorded as legal expenses to Cohen, the allegation has been that that was a falsification of business records. Hmm. That was what you know witnesses coming out of the grand jury reported as getting questions about, about how the payments were classified. And so we think, you know, that is going to be the underlying charge. Falsifying business records, as in classifying the payments he made to Cohen as legal expenses when they weren't. They were paying Cohen back for the hush money he paid to a porn star. Correct. So that seems pretty open and shut. What's the problem there? Under New York state law, falsifying business records has to be done with an intent to defraud. Hmm. So falsifying business records in and of itself is just a misdemeanor. There's nothing illegal about paying hush money. And even to get to the point of falsifying business records, prosecutors have to prove that there was an intent to defraud. That falsifying business records charge can turn into a felony if the underlying crime was used in furtherance to commit a second crime. Uh And that has been where a lot of the speculation has rested. Okay, so this is key. The district attorney needs to link this misdemeanor, falsifying business records, to a second crime. What could that crime be? There are various avenues that the district attorney could go. He could either go down a campaign finance route, and he could say the business records are falsified in order to hide these in-kind campaign contributions. Or he could go down a different route and say, well, this was tax fraud because Trump might not have paid tax on payments. Or you could go down and bank fraud and say, Michael Cohen took out a home equity loan under false pretenses. And while that's on Michael Cohen, it was coached by Alan Garten, who was at the Trump organization 
and seem to be taking directions from Trump. How easy is that for Elvin Bragg's office to find and then prosecute? It's potentially really tricky. You know, coupling a state crime with something like a federal campaign violation, that's never been tried before. And it's not clear how the courts will rule. Is it safe to say then this is not a slam dunk? I don't think it's a slam dunk. And the various prosecutors we speak to also think this is possibly one of the weakest cases you could bring against Trump, you know, compared to all the other stuff that he's under criminal investigation for, including January 6th, the Capitol attack, uh, the his efforts to overturn the election in, in Georgia, which is under investigation by a special grand jury in Fulton County. But, you know, that doesn't make it any less of a worthy prosecution, so to speak, because in many ways, the hush money payments was the first instance where Trump seems to have wanted to affect the outcome of an election. You know, uh-huh. he wanted to bury this story that he thought would be damaging because he thought it would undermine his presidential campaign. And I think you can draw a line from what he was doing in 2016 and how he realized he could get away with behaving in that manner straight to 2020 when he tried you know, much more overt ways to to reverse his election defeat. Hugo, what happens if Donald Trump is convicted? Could he go to jail? I think there are several points with, with discussions about conviction. First of all, this is going to be a very, very long process. In fact, we might not have a verdict in this case before the 2024 election. Hmm. Even if he is convicted, of course, he will appeal. And so I think the resolution of this case is many years down the line. If he is convicted and the conviction is upheld on appeal, the likelihood of Trump going to jail is extremely small. This would be his first offense. It's a nonviolent offense. He would probably get, to be honest, a fine. Really? That, that after all of the attention this has gotten, the, the years of work building a case, at the end of the day, it could culminate in a fine? I think the likelihood of Trump going to jail over falsification of business records that is upgraded to a felony for either a campaign finance violation or a tax tax violation is extremely and exceedingly small in this case. Now, that doesn't mean that is not the case for the other criminal investigations for like January 6th or Georgia or the documents investigation. And if he is convicted in this case, that could affect the sentencing guidelines for the federal cases down the road because if he is charged both, you know, let's say uh, in, in Georgia and by the Justice Department over one of the other federal criminal investigations, and he has already convicted in New York, he would be a convicted felon for those other cases. And that would be really problematic for him from a sentencing perspective. I mean, it raises this other question, which is that even if Trump legally could be jailed, like politically, could that happen given the risks of, of what would come next? Yeah, look, I mean... It's, it's a difficult question because, you know, judges are not supposed to take politics into account when they make sentencing decisions. So hypothetically, if he was sentenced to jail and the, or the sentencing guidelines called for him to, to, to be incarcerated, then that is what would and should happen. This was, you know, the judicial process at work and a grand jury voted to indict him. You know, this is the way the judicial system is supposed to function and it functioned for him, just like any other defendant across the United States in any jurisdiction. That being said, 
the political implications of jailing a former president, you know, not only is it unprecedented, but it would also be very explosive. Um, I think there is an argument to be made that, you know, to prove that presidents are not above the law, it's probably important to apply the same tests of kind of justice to them as anyone else. But from a realistic perspective, you know, I think I think there is an element of even if it's legally possible, would it would it ever happen politically? You know, I, again, probably unlikely. Coming up, what a criminal charge or a conviction could mean for Trump's campaign to be re-elected president next year. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Hugo, you've said that this trial and potentially other cases Trump faces could hang over the next few months, including the 2024 presidential election. What impact do you think all of this legal jeopardy could have on Trump's chances of being reelected? I think the immediate benefit is going to be to Trump. You know, we're going to have at least a year of pre-trial motions before this even goes to trial. And the actual trial could take months. That puts us right up against election night or very close to election night. In the last two weeks, when he was predicting his arrest and, you know, the indictments had not yet arrived, Trump raised several million dollars in fundraising for his campaign alone. Wow. And that was just on his prediction that he was going to be arrested. Now that he's actually been indicted and he is going to 
appear in state court for his arraignment, I expect fundraising numbers for him will skyrocket. Hmm. It also gives Trump a big boost politically because he can now kind of strong arm the Republican establishment and a kind of electeds on Capitol Hill and, and kind of and elsewhere to come to his defense to say, oh, you know, this is a political prosecution. If they don't do that, it is almost certain that his MAGA base, his ultra Trumpy base of the Republican Party will lash out against those office holders. And that is not a place where any of them want to be in. They don't want to be at odds with the MAGA base. If, if Trump got arrested for the charges they're talking about now, I would vote for him 10 times over. Because if he was a Democrat, it would never come up. Basically, it's one party hunting another. The thing is, they just made this guy bigger than politics. He is officially going to be a folk hero. They just want a mugshot. And I hope to God that President Donald J. Trump smiles as pretty for that picture because they're going to use it in all their campaign ads. So I want my president to look good, don't you? Is there a risk here too, Hugo, that those those MAGA supporters, Trump's most loyal supporters, end up lashing out against the institutions that are prosecuting him, going after the court system, going after the government in the same way that they did on January 6, 2021? You know, this is something that has been discussed a lot inside the Manhattan DA's office, but it's very, very difficult to predict and it's very, very difficult to protect against. Just last week the Manhattan DA's office received a death threat and a threatening letter that also included a packet of what was later um, found to be a harmless white powder. But all it takes is for one person to actually put anthrax in a little packet. All it takes is for one person to decide, you know, he is going to, you know, shoot up, you know, uh, the, the DA's office like like someone tried to a few months ago with an FBI field office, mm. you know, a Trump supporter who, who felt aggrieved that they were prosecuting his president. And so there is always the risk of this. And as Trump dials up the rhetoric because he wants his supporters to protest, I think the risk is exacerbated. And that is the one thing that everyone is very concerned about. Just the last couple hours at a post on Truth Social, Trump says this about D.A. Bragg. He says, does he know the, quote, potential death and destruction in such a false charge could be catastrophic for our country? That is Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, who we already know incited violence once on January 6th. Hugo, some people might be listening to this thinking that this is putting the country in extreme danger. And at the end of the day, the most Trump could end up being penalized is a fine. And they might be asking, why do it? Why take the risk of prosecuting Trump for this? What do you think the answer is? A liberal democracy and a functioning judicial system only works if law is applied equally. And you can't really be giving you know, Trump a pass if the evidence supports a case just because he is the pawn president. Because what does that do? That reinforces the notion that presidents are above the law. And I think that is a very dangerous place to be in. Hugo, on that note, and finally, later today, a former US president will be formally read criminal charges in a New York courtroom. How 
big a moment is this in American history? I mean, it's obviously big because it's unprecedented, right? I mean, we have never been in this position. You know, Nixon was investigated over Watergate in the Senate, and he resigned before he could be convicted uh, in an impeachment trial. And when Ford took over, Ford gave him a pardon uh, when the Fed started investigating Watergate. So Nixon never faced any sort of accountability for his uh, election interference efforts. You know, Trump is the first president to have faced any sort of accountability for potential legal violations. And I think it's a very historic moment for this country. You know, a lot of other countries prosecute their leaders all the time and no one bats an eyelid. But I think for a very long time, because of the way that presidents have been treated, you know, especially people like Nixon after Watergate, there has been this collective sense of, oh, you know, convicting a president's really hard and, you know, we really mustn't do it because we don't know what what's going to happen to the country. Will it tear the fabric of the country apart? And, you know, we have now hit that place. You know, Trump has been indicted. And I don't think the significance is lost on anyone. We've kind of crossed the precipice here. Hugo, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Hugo Lau, who reports on US politics for The Guardian's Washington Bureau. He'll be covering Donald Trump's arraignment later today. You can find his coverage at theguardian.com. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Eli Block. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. And we'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.